I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Sacktown Royalty Show. I am your host, Tony Zapteris, and joining me on the podcast this week from Sacktown Royalty, Kimani Okira. Kimani, basketball is back officially at this point. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Tony. How are you doing? I am doing well also. I will say it's getting pretty cold over here on the East Coast. I don't know what the weather is like in Sacramento right now. I assume it's fantastic, but uh, winter is coming. That's subjective to opinion. It's been pretty warm in the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so I stay up in the foothills sometimes, so I uh, get a reprieve from that. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's been nice. I'm not going to complain. But we need some rain. We definitely need some rain. I do hear that. I do hear that Sacramento needs rain, or that area needs some rain. But media day was yesterday, and you were absolutely. There. Yeah. This is a very uh, vague question, but how how was media day? I always have a blast. Um, it's always falls within the week surrounding my birthday which is the 30th so happy birthday it's, i just treated thank you and i just treated it as kind of a personal gift to myself <laughs> um no it's it's a great time it's uh it's fun seeing the rookies kind of acclimate to the professional environment for the first time a summer league they get a taste of it but this is this is you know back to back to back to back stations and they're just non-stop moving so it's a uh, it's it's fun to witness it was actually a lot harder for someone like myself to follow it this year than in years past because they didn't do any live streaming, which I, I found interesting. I don't know if that was by design or, or I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there was some plan to it, but I was a little disappointed they didn't live stream any of the events. Yeah, I did notice that too. Uh, overall, the practice facility was a lot less busy than it was last year. Uh, last year, they had a lot more um, media stations packed into that room, so it, uh, there was a lot more hubbub. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know... Uh, I felt it was okay. I, I didn't notice that the I knew I noticed that there's nobody streaming in the moment, but um, you know, had I known, then maybe I would have streamed a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I ended up watching all the videos anyway, so it was ultimately fine, and I didn't have to do it, you know, glued to the computer for three hours on a Monday, so it wasn't that bad watching them on demand later. But I did think it was interesting because a lot of teams did live stream their their media day stuff, and the Kings have in the past. I just I'm curious what the decision was there to uh, to not do it this year. But either way, and you would have better insight on this than I would, but it seemed like a relatively, at least from like a headline perspective, quiet media day. Like there wasn't, I don't want to say there wasn't a whole lot going on, but like I was, for instance, I was, you know, I kind of told the editorial team at Sacktown Royalty that I was ready to write something up should something come up from media day and nothing really happened. Yeah, um, you know, the, there's, I, I guess the the two topics that are worthy of discussion are uh, Dave Yeager saying that, you know, Darren franchise, uh, what I, Darren franchise, that's interesting. <laughs> New nickname. That was an interesting Freudian slip. Yeah, um, Darren Fox, w- uh, you know, was the guy in quotes. So whether you read that to be franchise player or um, the main man of the team, you know, the core, the the fulcrum that the team operates around. It's quite a statement to 
to receive, especially on a team with uh, what seems to be so many potential leaders. Um, so that, that that's an interesting comment. And then I also uh, am interested in what Justin Jackson said about you know him reading it pretty much everything and listening to everything and tuning into what's being said about him. So I, th- I thought there was, were two points of interest, but uh, other than that, you're right. Yeah, not a lot happening. Yeah, I, I did um, favorite some tweets of some quotes that I did like that I could reference for the podcast today. And a lot of them had to do with pretty much what you were talking about. You have a guy like Dave Vager who has been, I don't want to say he's been resistant to play fast, because if you've watched the Kings last year, you would see him on the sideline begging his guards to push the ball. But for for whatever reason, the Kings weren't doing it. And I'm sure part of that is maturity. And, and part of that is you are still playing guys like Zach Randolph heavy minutes. And he can, he can only go so fast at this point in his career. But just the, the narrative out of camp, you know, while there may not have been like this gigantic storyline or this incredibly interesting headline to come out of media day, just the consistent message of pace and playing fast from everyone, from Dave Yeager to Justin, I think Justin Jackson had a point about it. I know Yogi Ferrell had a point about it. De'Aaron Fox had a point about it, about how much the message in camp has been uh, playing fast. Is that the sense you got being there and listening to these guys talk? Yeah, and I also think that they don't have a choice. You just look at the division. Right. Uh, you know, with the Warriors, the Clippers played Tobias Harris at the four. Uh, the Lakers are talking about LeBron at center. You just, they, they don't have a choice. I mean, you know, you, you're not going to run uh, Costa and Zach Randolph out next to each other, hopefully, um, too much this season. But I guess you never know. <laughs> the other thing that was kind of fun, this is like the classic media day story, was uh, Scala Bissier and his 20 pounds of muscle. How did Scala look? He looked fit. Uh, he, you know, he looks – I don't know. I've, I've always thought that he was uh, – you know, he had a, a, a cut of muscle to him. He just added to it. Um, you know, his for me, his whole issue is like the Bambi angles. And mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Well, I, I didn't get a chance to. I wasn't checking out these guys' uh, muscles or legs or anything like that. Yeah, I wonder so. if you got a uh, tape measure out for the biceps or like a. The biceps. Like yeah, Kevin Fippen, uh, the, the infamous Kevin Fippen did ask about the biceps. So, you know, to that point, Blake Ellington did ask De'Aaron you know, how much weight he added. And De'Aaron said he added 10 pounds initially uh, for summer league. And then he ran that all off. And now he, he feels comfortable saying he added around five or six pounds. So, you know, uh, this is going to be a fun season, I think. Something I did want to ask you for media day, because like I said, I did sit down Monday night and I went through all the videos that came out from, from media day, all the interviews, all the magic tricks, because they had a magician in attendance for whatever reason. And notably absent from everything I watched, and I don't know if this was just not recorded or if these guys weren't present, but maybe you can shed some light on what these guys were doing at media day or if they were there at all, was the presence of Vlade Divac or Brandon Williams. Did they talk to the media? Were they around? Uh, or were they as absent as I saw from the content that came out afterwards? Um, I saw Vlade up in his office for a good portion of the day. And I, I don't know that he did any press. I, I don't think he did any press. Mm-hmm. And then Brandon Williams was on the floor of the practice facility for a good portion of the day. And, and I had a, uh, a, a nice and brief conversation with him. So um, I don't think that they're participating too much in the, in the media around this. But it's, you know, they, they, they were there. Yeah, they were I, present. I won't say every 
general manager spoke uh, at media day, but a lot of them did. And for as many question marks as the Kings have coming to the season, it would have been nice to just hear something from Vlade or Brandon Williams about their vision for this team and what they kind of, I don't know. Because there's so much conversation in Sacramento and around this team about what the goal will be for this season. And every everyone who has answered that question has done it in a very vague manner where it's like, you know, I think um, when Dave Yeager was asked this question, he said the like the most vague answer of all time where it was like someone asked him how you can gauge success for the season. And he said, if you come into the into the practice facility in the middle of the year or at the like three quarters of the season, and if you can't tell that we are 10 and 40 or 40 and 10, then we're like on the right track, which I can't think of a more vague way to like set a goal for the season. I would have liked to have hear, to have heard Vlade or Brendan Williams come out and say, hey, this is what we want to accomplish. And if we don't reach this mark, it will be a disappointment. And if we do reach this mark, then we'll have, we will have done our jobs correctly. But like I guess we, we said, they didn't really speak to the media. Hopefully they do here at some point before the season starts. I feel like the media sometimes for a lot of the front office people are uh, is a sword to die on. Pete D'Alessandro being a good example. Yeah. Um, well, Pete talked too much. <laughs> I mean, he, he talked all the time. He mingled. Yeah, he was, he was very active in the community, and I think that that can bite you in the behind a lot of the time. Um, so, you know, I, 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 can see the, I can see them sticking to business. I would love to sit down with both of them and have an a, a in-depth conversation about their vision. Um, so, you know, I'll work on that this season. I'll see if I can get it done. Uh, I'm non-confrontational about this stuff. You know, it's a basketball team. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's worth a, it's worth the inspection. I'm, I'm curious as well, because I, I see them, uh, approaching it from a chemistry standpoint. And from that standpoint, I think they're doing a brilliant job. So, yeah, the, the one thing they do have, and I think this, uh, Dave Vega deserves a lot of credit for this because it's not easy to keep a team that keeps piling on this many losses in as good a spirits in the locker room as they have been throughout his tenure. And, you know, a couple of videos, we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon, a couple of videos from their first practice came out already. And I was watching those before we started recording and just the camaraderie, even in those videos. And again, it's training camp and it's media day. These are the most optimistic times of the season for a young basketball team. So, I, we're, we're talking very positive right now, but that's just, I mean, that's just the way it is. It is what it is. It's, this is the time of the year where you can be positive because believe me, there'll be plenty of times during the season where we can and will be negative. But the team chemistry is, for this team, uh, a pretty legitimate strength and maybe one of their biggest strengths heading into the year. And, you know, uh, to that point, I actually don't think that the youngsters are going to have any choice but to be positive because of Iman Shumpert. That guy has infectious positivity and a kind of carefree, like, I already won a championship, you know, attitude yeah. about the game. So um, I don't think he's going to let anybody mope. And he's and he is one of those he's one of those personalities that, you know, will command um, it, he'll command the presence in the locker room for sure. So I, I don't think these guys would have any choice but to play with smiles on their face and, and not not to make it sound forced, but. You know, I think Shumpert's going to be a uh, a real factor in this team. We'll see if we'll see if he makes it on the opening uh, day roster because uh, of trades and things like that. From what the Kings are putting out on their social media, Shumpert was involved in all of it. 
he was joking around with everybody. He was, you know, he had a ton of fun with that magician lady they brought in. Uh, him and Colley Stein had some funny moments. You had some stuff uh, behind the scenes of the Chumbert that I thought was pretty funny. His shoes were great. It's only, again, it's only been a day and a half, but it seems like Chumbert is fitting in nicely with the young kids. Yeah, yeah. And he, they, they, he has real good chemistry with De'Aaron and Buddy Hild and... Uh... And you know all the all, and Willie from from what I saw and from what I witnessed, you get to see some of the banter back and forth between the guys. So um, I just I don't think he's going to let that locker room get down. I think he's been there, he's been around the you know, and I think he'll end up being a, a real factor for the team if um, if they don't trade him before the season. I guess the last quote I have from Media Day that I thought was interesting, unless I'm missing something, feel free to add, is that Dave Yeager in a very un-Dave Yeager-like move, came out and said, in kind of a roundabout way, that the kids are playing more, and even more specifically, which I found was very interesting, he, he named Zach Randolph and Costa Kufus as guys who, you know, he didn't straight up say they aren't going to play, but he did lightly infer that these guys aren't going to see as much playing time as maybe they're used to seeing, which is, uh, again, a good sign if you're looking for a young, fast team out of the Sacramento Kings this year, but also a very interesting thing for someone like Dave Vieira to say, who we know has a, um, a healthy, loving relationship with his veterans. That's true, but I also think he's looking at the landscape and considering his job, you know, and saying, well, I can't be playing Costa and Zach Randolph 25 minutes a game. And that, actually, I think that's a shame for Costa because he's a very serviceable mm-hmm. uh, plus basketball player. So um, I think there was some rumblings in the offseason about a trade with him or a trade involving him. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I, a lot of the uh, people in the media that I was talking to tend to agree that the, the roster is not in its final shape. We're not, you know, by the time uh, game one is here, uh, so we, we – we, you know, the consensus is, is that some of these pieces are going to move because the trade market's going to be hot for Jimmy Butler and there's going to be a few pieces that fall into place. So, um, yeah, and I, I think uh, Willie Cauley-Stein is going to be one of those enigma players this season because, you know, it's his contract year and he could potentially perform well enough. And, you know, if this team ends up winning 30 to 35 games, which I know is pie in the sky, but, uh, you know, say they get there somehow and he and he's a big part of that then he'll be he'll have a healthy command in the offseason so he's a guy to keep an eye on on willie collie stein uh james ham from nbc sports put out an article earlier today that i was reading that talked about willie and willie man that guy says some things that makes you scratch your head and then on the other hand it's like boy there's no one in the nba as honest as willie collie stein because he's not afraid to to just straight up say what he's thinking and he doesn't either he doesn't care or he doesn't seem to totally understand exactly the message that he's sending because in that ham article today willie said like hey i'm I'm playing for the money like this is i i gotta get paid this year and, and i'm gonna and on one hand you don't necessarily love to hear that a guy is in it for the money on the other hand everyone's in it for the money and and that's what everyone's playing yeah, for yeah so it's like yeah. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna crush him for saying that but it's also like hey willie you gotta Play better first, and then you'll get the money. That's Willie Cauley Stein, though. Like a lot of Kings fans are frustrated with him, both on and off the court, with his inconsistent effort at times, and also what he says. But that's Willie, and he's 
he might be the most intriguing player for me outside of the rookies because they're always interesting to see what like Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles is going to do. But like you said, Willie Colley Stein is going into a contract year and he is both talking a big game, talking about how, you know, he's going to get his money this summer and also his push on social media all summer about how hard he's working. And I do think that work is legit. I don't think he's just putting that, those videos out there to do like a whole look at me thing. I, I do think he is actually putting in the work, but he is setting us up to be very excited for his play. And I'm fascinated to see if he, I'll say, if he lives up to his own hype or if he kind of has the inconsistent year that he's had his entire career thus far. But he's definitely a player I'm watching closely. I understand a lot of the criticisms about consistency and, and effort with Willie. Uh, and I think some of his strengths are overlooked. I've already said on the podcast before that he's one of the uh, best footwork players in the NBA, defensive footwork players. And then um, I don't think he got called for a travel at all last season. So that's, that's impressive. Um, that, takes, uh, that takes considerable focus to, to achieve. So, you know, may, there's a few elements of his game that, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be the first to say that he needs to work on so they translate better, like rebounding and shot blocking. We'll see how, what kind of contributor he turns out to be this season. There's a lot of guys at the, at the, you know, at his position, so that's the other factor there. Yeah, and that's where I, I look at a guy like Scott Lubisier, and I, I get a little worried that he's going to get totally lost in the shuffle because you got Willie Colley Stein who has to play, Giles and Bagley have to play. Uh, Jaeger had already said that you know maybe Kupas and Randolph won't play as much, but they did bring in Nemanja Bielitsa who who has to play. And Scalabasier's coming in here after having what looks like a very good summer in terms of working on his body. One thing that he did say that I really liked that I forgot to mention earlier is that he mentioned how he didn't just work on his body and his game, but he also worked on his mindset. And, and I love hearing that from a player like Scal because he doesn't know how talented he is. I, I think he even mentioned that he was working with different like um, coaches in terms of changing his mentality. And I look at a guy like that, and I get excited to watch him play this year. But then I look at the the realistic situation of where the roster's at in terms of like the front court logjam, and I just wonder where those minutes will come from. Well, I mean, what, what the fans and I, and what I'm hoping for, and I hope a lot of the fans are hoping for, is that one of the guys breaks out and just just has one of those monster yeah, years. Someone needs to that break really, out. yeah, and it could be De'Aaron Fox. If two players break out, it might be a, it'll be a real fun year. So, uh, but there's a lot of names. You got Willie, you got Scal, you got Bagley, you got Harry Giles, De'Aaron, Bogdan, Buddy, Justin Jackson uh, is ready to take his game up another notch. Frank Mason was saying the same thing. So there's a lot of names out there that are looking at at this pie, thinking, hey, you know, maybe this is for me. So uh, it's it's exciting, but it's also dangerous because, you know, you still want players to fit a role. Did I miss anything from Media Day, or, or did we pretty much cover it? Was there anything else you wanted to say about just what happened on Monday? Well, uh, Willie looks bigger. Frank Mason looks bigger. I, I'm talking in terms of, um, of strength, so uh, I just wanted to touch on that. They look like they worked mm. very hard in the offseason. Um, both Harry and Frank Mason had their hair braided so tight I was concerned that they couldn't blink. Yeah, Mason's so, uh, real tight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just... I've been there, and those guys are brave. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't play basketball with my hair that tight. So kudos to them. But no, I, th- I think we covered it. Yeah. 
um, for those who want to see some of the BTS stuff, the behind the scenes stuff that I did, go to uh, Instagram, uh, NBA Lensface at NBA Lensface. You can check it out there. And uh, yeah, you know, f- follow NBA Lensface for all sorts of Sacktown royalty content throughout the season. Outside of Media Day, the one other uh, bit of Kings news that dropped since we last recorded was this report from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Of course, there's all these Jimmy Butler trade rumors that's kind of holding the NBA hostage. There really hasn't been a big roster move since the Jimmy Butler stuff all went down. Everyone's kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. And Woj kind of threw the Kings into the mix with a report last night. And there's a whole report on it on ESPN. The whole thing's worth a read. But I'll just mention the the short part that is relevant to, to the Sacramento Kings, where Woj reports that Sacramento has been aggressive in courting Minnesota and several of the of Butler's trade suitors, offering to use its cap space as a landing spot for bloated contracts. The Kings are without their first round draft pick in 2019 and uniquely positioned to leverage that cap space into, at minimum, a future first round pick and maybe more as part of a Butler blockbuster. And then Woj went on to mention that the Brooklyn Nets, the LA Clippers, and the Miami Heat are kind of the front runners at this point to land Jimmy Butler. What do you make of this? Is this kind of what you what you would like to see the Kings do with their remaining $11 million in cap space as we head towards uh, the regular season, or would you rather see them kind of stand pat and see what they got first? Well, I, I just don't think the roster has enough talent to stand pat mm-hmm. and see what they got. You know, I, I think that right now I'm looking at the team, and it's, I, I think at best it's 30 wins, and that's if the schedule breaks right. So, um you know, I, I think that you do look to make you, – you just look to make your situation better. They don't have a 2019 first-round pick. This is the opportunity to get it. So uh, – and I do think it's going to cost you a player, uh, a good player, uh, Costa Kufos or Iman Shumpert, someone along those lines. And um, I think Miami's got the best chance of getting Jimmy Butler. That just makes the most sense because Justice Winslow's in his contract year as well. So they could ship him to Minnesota and let Minnesota worry about that. And – um you know, bring bring the those Bulls back together from just more Bull, just more Chicago Bulls reunions with Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade in Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see how exactly the Nets or the Clippers could pull that off either. I'm with you. I think the Heat are probably the most likely destination for Jimmy Butler, and I have been pretty critical of Vlade Vlade's tenure and, and even what Brandon Williams has brought to the table. Even though it's hard to to determine who was responsible for what moves, but as far as like a, a strategy for how to spend the rest of your cap space and how to bring in more young talent, I love seeing this kind of report because this is what a lot of people have been begging the Kings to do with their cap space for a long time now. And like you said, they don't have a pick in 2019. So if they can pick up a pick in 2019 or a future first round pick by having a team rent out their cap space by sending a player they don't want anymore into their salary cap. The one most rumored at this point is Gorgie Jang from the Minnesota Timberwolves, who has uh, three years, I think it's $48 million left on his contract. So it's a big it's a big ask. The Kings are going to be stuck with Dang for a long time if that's the guy they get. I think Willie would be sent away in that scenario He as might well. be, because it's going to be really hard I, to pay Willie this summer when you have yeah, Dang in the books. Yeah, that's the thing. I think uh, if, you, if you're going to take back uh, uh, Jang, then you have to... I think Willie is shipped out somewhere else, Miami, maybe to Minnesota, but probably he'd probably go to Miami as well. And um, th- that might be a little bit of, of a cost because that has been um, a community investment into Willie at this point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to see him finish out his contract in Sacramento at least. But James Ham says he'd be very surprised 
shocked, honestly, to see Willie in the Kings uniform next season. So yeah, and, and Carmichael Davis said the same thing as, as oh, then, no, it was morning. it was. Uh, let me correct that. That was Carmichael Davis that said that, not James Ham. Okay, sorry, Ham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah, no, it's that's a a high price for a what would be like a I don't know eighteen to twenty two range first round pick because Gorgie Dang has a like I said three years left on his contract and. When you bring in a guy that expensive into your front court, it makes signing Willie Colley Stein this summer really difficult. And maybe that's fine. Like you said, maybe they don't have long term plans for Willie Colley Stein anyways, but that's what makes this deal a lot more complicated when you really think about it than it appears on the surface. On the surface, it's like, oh, yeah, give me the first round pick. We'll take this guy that's not going to play anyways. We'll have him on our books for three years, and that's fine because the Kings aren't competing for the playoffs anyways. But the, the trickle down effect of making that deal does limit you on, on bringing in Willie Cauley-Stein because you can only dedicate so many dollars into your front court. And you got Giles well, I mean, and Bagley. It's, it, it complicate things for sure. Yeah, and, and Jing isn't – he's not a bad player himself. So, I, you know, it's not like he's just dead weight coming back. He's a, he's a good shot blocker, good rebounder. Um, he, he can play a defensive role adequately. I just don't know how many minutes he can play because he is on the slower side. He's quicker than a lot of guys his size, but he's, he's still pretty slow out there. You're right. You know. I shouldn't be unfair to him. He can still play. And he played around 15 minutes per game last year in Minnesota. It was a down year for him. He's clearly overpaid at this point. That's why the Timberwolves are looking to dump him. But he isn't right. He isn't nothing. You're right on that. He isn't um, He isn't an unplayable uh, front court guy. And, uh, you know, there's some Kings fans that would say that Willie and, and, and Jang are a wash. I, I would disagree with that for sure. I, just as a, But, um, you know, they're, they're entitled to their opinion. And so there would be Kings fans that would say, well, you know, we're not getting any worse. Yeah, player for player, I'm with you. I would I would take Willie, but I do think it's close. But at the same time, I am worried about losing the option of keeping Willie if he does have a really good year. And you you can make it work. You can sign Willie this summer. Like, let's say they do, do make that trade. They bring in Jang. Willie stays here for the year. He has a great year. You can theoretically sign him if he has a great year and you want to keep him back, but now, I mean, we thought the front court logjam was bad this year. If you're looking at paying, you know, Willie sixteen million, and you got Jang on the books for sixteen million, and you got Bagby and Giles coming up shortly, that's a really bloated front court. But it'll be interesting to monitor over the next couple of days because I do expect, according to everyone's reports, some kind of resolution in the Jimmy Butler stuff soon. Yeah, it'll have to be before season because uh, he hasn't reported to training camp, right. but he needs to get in the practice time with his team, and so it's. You're right. It'll be within the next few days, and we'll see how it shakes out. I, I just hope the Kings uh, end up with a first-round pick, and I hope that the expense on the roster isn't too severe. I, I think uh, if Costa Kufos gets traded, you know, he's a nice guy, um, to a situation where he, he can play and be on a potential playoff team, I think that's good for both parties because, you know, Costa's been in service to Sacramento for, I think, three years now. He's played as well here. Uh, he's played well here as he has anywhere else, and um, – you know, I think he deserves a chance before his uh, career becomes infallible to, uh, you know, be on a playoff team. So, again. Yeah, I view Costa Kufas like I viewed Gary Temple, where it's like, this is a really good veteran who gave you good minutes under a, a pretty reasonable contract. And when the Kings traded Gary Temple, it wasn't because they didn't like Gary Temple. It was more to give him an opportunity to play somewhere else because they knew going to the season that playing time for him was going to be limited. And yeah. Costa Cubas is a he can still play, so I would have no issue with the Kings making a similar kind of trade where it's 
they might be giving Coast to Cubus away, but they're doing it for the right reasons where they know this guy still deserves yeah. playing time somewhere. And if they're not going to use him, it's the right thing to do to just let him go play somewhere else. Yeah, and he's a genuinely nice guy uh, that has been through a lot here in Sacramento. You know, he was here for uh, uh, some of the DeMarcus Cousins stuff. So, you know, I, I just I would like to see him in a winning situation uh, again because he was once the starting center for a 60-win Nuggets team, you know, so that's – it's an incredible feat to have in your career. I just don't want to see him on the Lakers. Let's not put him on the Lakers anywhere but yeah, there. I don't think you have to worry about that one, but we'll see. The Kings never generally don't trade with the Lakers. Hopefully they keep that up. All right, Kimani, we're going to close the podcast out there. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and your content for the uh, the 2018-19 NBA season? All right, people. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Tony Zipteris. I'm just kidding. It's at... <laughs> you uh, can follow that guy, too, if you if you... Yeah, yeah, please do. Is it Jip Terrace? Am I saying it right? Zip Terrace. You got it right the first time. Okay. Zip Terrace. That makes sense. So uh, it's at the Kamonsta on Twitter, that Kamonsta, and then at NBA Lensface on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow my game vlogs on Lensface, and uh, I also put up all uh, a lot of the really good uh, photos out of my uh, photo reel up there. So uh, thanks for tuning into the Sacktown Royalty Podcast. I genuinely appreciate your attention. And, uh, yeah, swing over to Lensface when you get a chance. All right, Kamani, it's always nice to talk to you. I'm sure we'll talk to you again here soon. All righty. Thanks, man. to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.